The Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark, from the first chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, and can be found on page 1553 in the Pew Bible. Mark 1, 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her. He took her hand, and he helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him, and they found him, and they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today's gospel continues where last week's gospel left off. You may remember from last week when I kept saying it's not new, not new message, but maybe a new way of us hearing that message and also the importance that it's not the messenger but the message. Last week we read that Jesus had removed a demon from one of the members in the synagogue in Capernaum. He had also been teaching about the kingdom of God in that synagogue, and the people were really impressed, and mostly they were marveling at his authority. Jesus selected the town of Capernaum as the headquarters, if you will, of his ministry, And we know that Jesus had grown up in Nazareth. 
And most of the people in that day, they knew him as Jesus of Nazareth. And you ever wonder why he didn't preach in Nazareth, spend time in his hometown? Well, let me take you to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, found on page 1560 of your Bible uh, in the pew. You don't have to go to that. You can hear me now. But Jesus left there, and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. Verse 2 says, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Then he goes on to say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus moved on to Capernaum. Now, also from last week's gospel, we learned that it was Jesus' custom to teach in the synagogues on the Sabbath. He also learned that one of the members of the synagogue tried, or we learned uh, to, um, that the, well, the demon-possessed man tried to interrupt his teaching because a demon was possessing him. And John, uh, excuse me, Jesus exercised the demon and he demonstrated his power and his authority in front of everybody. And as a result of the exorcism and the power of his teaching, Jesus, we read, became very popular. And as we pick up the story in today's gospel, Jesus has finished his teaching of the gospel in the synagogue. The day is over for him. And so the brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and Andrew, they apparently worked together and they apparently lived together, and they invited Jesus to come to their home for a meal after a, what would seem a long day at the synagogue. Now, they also invited James, and they invited John as well, because this makes sense, since all four of these men were fishermen in Capernaum. So when the day in the synagogue was over, Jesus immediately went to Simon and Andrew's house, along with John and James. Now, if we read carefully, Jesus did not come to Simon's house to heal his mother-in-law. Instead, 
Simon and the others, we read, made Jesus aware of the woman's condition after they had arrived at the house. The text indicates that this woman was unable to get out of bed because her fever was so severe. Has anyone been that sick? You got a fever so bad, you're feeling lousy, and, and maybe you've got a, a meal to prepare and guests coming over. But I digress. We read that even though the Bible doesn't say anything, we can imagine that Simon's wife stayed home from the synagogue to care for her mother that day. And once Jesus learned of the woman's need, he took her by the hand and he helped her up. And we read that the fever was gone immediately. The woman was perfectly healthy in every way. And we know how healthy she was. How? Well, because she immediately began helping her daughter prepare and serve a meal to her healer and four of his disciples. Remarkable. Because there was no convalescence. There was no resting up to regain strength after the fever had left. She simply began to serve as soon as he touched her hand. Now this woman's fever, stay with me for a minute, this fever is a reminder of the warning that God gave to Adam in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. He said, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Here's the thing. Every instance of disease, every instance of injury, of pain, and death is a reminder that there is sin in this world. These reminders of sin have been our lot ever since Adam and Eve ignored God's warning, and they ate the forbidden fruit. So death and pain and misery are a constant reminder that we daily sin much and indeed deserve nothing but punishment here in this time and forever in eternity because we're sinners. And in the middle of all of the suffering, the gospel today gives us a new teaching. That is that Jesus proclaimed the salvation he brings by reaching out his hand to grasp 
the fevered hand of Peter's mother-in-law. And as he did this, the fever left. Jesus reversed the curse of sin for a time in this woman's life by making her well. And as he did so, he demonstrated the overwhelming generosity that he has through his salvation. This woman, Peter's mother-in-law, went straight from weakness of fever to the strength of health at the Savior's touch. There's nothing more that could be done for her physical health after the touch because she was already healthy. Now the quality of his preaching and the exorcism in the synagogue had attracted a lot of attention and I told you that. He became very popular. That's why I say there were a lot of fans back then of Jesus. There are today. There's not as many followers. And so he garnered attention, and it had been a long, busy Sabbath day when he went to Peter's house, and yet there was more to do because as soon as sun went down, that was the end of the Sabbath, the town brought it sick, and it's demon-possessed over to Peter's house in order to receive healing from Jesus. Oh boy, can you imagine that? The whole town showing up to your house? Well, that's what they did. And Jesus worked late into the night to heal everyone who came. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law as well as the healing of the townspeople shows us the nature of God's generosity. He does not do anything halfway. Everything he does is complete. Everything he does is perfect and abundant. And there was no recuperation time, no days of bed rest to gain strength. The curse of sin was gone for a time. And Jesus described God's generosity in this phrase that we read in Luke 6, 38, where he says, Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over is God's generosity, his blessing. He doesn't short the pot. It's full, overflowing. Physical healing, although it really was part of Christ's ministry, was not the main reason that the Son of God took on human nature and came into this world. That would be like treating the symptoms of a disease while ignoring the underlying cause. Jesus came into this world to get at the root of the problem. He came to defeat sin and death 
and the devil. And he did this with the ultimate demonstration of his love and generosity. You see, he offered up his holy and his precious blood through his innocent suffering and death. And with this sacrifice, he reached out his hand, not just to one mother-in-law, to all people he reaches his hand out. And the hand that reached out and drove out a fever, that same hand touches us and drives out the eternal death of sin. And when we consider our Lord's suffering and his death on the cross, we consider the ultimate cure for the cause of all that is wrong in this world, the ultimate cure of sin. Christ's resurrection from the dead on the third day, it gives us the assurance that his cure was and is complete, that his cure is indeed perfect and abundant. There is nothing that we need to do because God has done it all. That is to say, in order for us to be saved, there are no good works that we need to do. There is no commitment of really trying harder. There is no special prayer we can say or not say. There is nothing that we can do, nothing to improve our relationship with God. Why? Because it's already perfect through Christ. And sadly, hear me now, sadly, there are people who refuse to believe this. They are like people who would draw their hand away from Jesus reaching his hand out. They'd pull it away. You could say if Peter's mother-in-law had pulled her hand back from Jesus and refused the healing, she probably would have died from the fever. She is described as being that sick. And in a similar way, people who people who refuse to believe Jesus' eternal gift of salvation will pass into a realm of eternal punishment. It's just that simple. Now, on the other hand, as I look out at you, are those who believe and receive the gift of salvation. That salvation is very different from the physical healing that Jesus gave in today's gospel. All the people Jesus healed back then, they eventually died. Even people that Jesus raised from the dead, like Lazarus and the widow's son, they did die again. The salvation that Jesus worked for us on the cross has no such limit. The work that he perfectly worked for us on the cross 
is forever. It is for eternity. Now we know that Jesus could not stay in Capernaum with his message. He was put on earth. He descended down to earth to spread this message among all people of Israel. And when he ascended into heaven so that he could be with all of his people all of the time, he passed the mission on to his followers. And they were not only to share this message with all of Israel, but they were to share this message with the entire world, the Great Commission. Through the church, the Holy Spirit has spread this message through the ages and out over the miles. This message has been shared down through the generations, and now it belongs to us, this message of Jesus belongs to you, and it belongs to me. And our response in our gratitude for this precious gift of knowledge, of salvation, that we are in turn obligated to learn as much of the message through study and through prayer and through hearing the word, as much as we can so that we can tell it to others, so we can tell it to our children and our children's children and their children. Let us learn all that we can of Jesus' teaching. I implore you, so that we can in turn tell those teaching to others. Our loved ones who are now at the Savior's side in heaven, they can no longer communicate with us. If they could, they would want us, I am convinced, they would want us to know one thing. They would want us to know that our Savior has a place in heaven reserved for us. And that reservation waits for the time when God in his infinite knowledge and wisdom brings an end to our time here on this earth. And so we who trust the person and the work of Jesus Christ, we will join our loved ones in paradise. And together with our loved ones and all the other believers, we will enjoy the eternal happiness of heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen.